0: Hello and welcome to the Football for Digest the Podcast. Football I'm digest your host podcast Conor Bromley and I'm joined today by Ned platforms. Keating. we've so much to go podcast, through today. I mean, so much festive you football get coming up. But from, we're going to start so with the Carabao Cup, episode. of course, which, which culminated the quarterfinals last night. Four teams left in it and two pretty surprising ones. Middlesbrough and Fulham making it all the way to the semi-finals. We've also got two... Uh, pretty regular faces at this stage of the competition in Liverpool and Chelsea. So we'll start, Ned. You know, I think logically people would look at a Liverpool and Chelsea final because of the way the semi-final was drawn. But do you think there's a chance that Middlesbrough and Fulham could, you know, make it to Wembley and get to the final?
1: Perhaps less so, maybe. I mean, I I started by saying, of course there is. And now we're about to dismantle that argument completely. Of course, you know, bad teams have got punches, chance. But I think, where in the Carabao Cup where it's two legs, that kind of ruins it a little bit in terms of you have to be, um, you know, both of them will have to be really on their game for both matches um, and and hope that there's perhaps a little bit of a drop off in, you know, maybe not so much in Chelsea's performance, but definitely in Liverpool's from what we've seen so far this season. Um, and, and Chelsea are quite inconsistent. So, um, you know, that, that that might be fortunate Um for, for their opponents in the semi-final for sure that Chelsea where they are a little bit inconsistent you know you might catch them on two bad days you never know what Chelsea you're going to get Liverpool you're kind of hoping that they play badly in both games um, with, with regards to that and that's where it's kind of it's probably a little bit harder um, in, in in respect of compared to the FA Cup where it's just one game you've got two games where you've got to be really good um, and try really not to not to lose I'd say to you know you kind of you can't lose to Liverpool because I'd say the margin that that will probably come from that, you'll probably be looking at it and thinking that they'll, you know, they'll if they were to win a game, they'd have such a margin that they would be in a commanding position in that in that tie anyway. So for it to be two legs, it, it does make it that little bit more difficult because you have to be really, really good in both games. Whereas like I said, you know, you compare it to, to the FA Cup, the other English Cup competition and where that's just one game. You can kind of, you know, you only have to be perfect on one day. You don't have to be perfect twice. So, yeah, as as you said there, you know, they, they do have a chance. It's just probably the chance to doing it a little bit because it is only two legs, like I said, and, and they have to be so good in both games against Chelsea and Liverpool to, to kind of have a chance of uh, making it to the final at Wembley.
0: I think for me, I, I look at Middlesbrough is even though obviously Fulham are a Premier League team, who you know, they're a very good Premier League team, but I just think the way that Chelsea sort of play and, and how inconsistent they are you know I can definitely see Middlesbrough getting a first leg win at the Riverside and then going to Stamford Bridge and, and pulling out a draw and it is 20 years as well since they won the I think it was the Colin Cup at the time of Steve McLaren so you know there's maybe that little storyline there but we'll, we'll jump now to Liverpool against West Ham um Pretty comprehensive win, wasn't it, for Liverpool? It felt to me, watching it, like West Ham turned up with no ambition to score a goal. You know, they were they were very, very poor. Uh,
1: yeah, a bit weird for West Ham, uh, playing for a penalty shootout uh, by the looks of things. You know, it's a cup competition. It's not like you get anything for, you know, like... <laughs> you, we compare it probably to Manchester United the weekend, when Manchester United went to Manfield, knowing that their probably best result was going to be a draw. But that's fine, they get a point from it. What the West Ham get, they got nothing from it. And and it just seemed a bit strange, you know, to to not kind of really try and, you know, go for it, really. It's a cup competition. There's no, you know, you get nothing for losing. You know, you don't get anything for losing in the Premier League as well. But at least your goal difference, you know, you try and kind of hold that back and, and make sure that doesn't get affected. It, it, it's a strange idea, because as well, you know, with Liverpool. I mean, good this season, but you're going to catch teams on off days every now and then, you know, even the best teams have off days, So that could have been Liverpool's off day last night. West Ham won know if that was Liverpool's off day last night because they couldn't try and push it. They didn't try and go for it. And, you know, if they caught Liverpool on an off day, they could have won and they'd be in the semi-final then. And you look at those four teams then, if West Ham were in the semi-final or ahead of Liverpool, you look at that and you go, any one of these teams could reach a final. Any one of these teams could get to to lift the trophy in at Wembley. So it's a big missed opportunity. Yeah, because as well, like they put the effort in, like to get to the quarterfinals, they 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 put the effort in to get there, and then just to reach there and kind of, you know, roll over and almost have their tummies tickled by Liverpool, it was just odd, very odd. Um, and and you feel sorry for the West Ham fans that made the trip up there, you know, just a few days midweek to Liverpool, just a few days before Christmas. Like you, you feel sorry for them because they put their hard-earned cash into it, they put their time into it as well. And then they were rewarded with that performance. Very, you know, I'm Tottenham fan. should be taking glee at this, you know, less than West Ham uh, not progressing in the cup. But I just feel very sorry for the fans who, who made the trip. I feel like they were robbed.
0: Yeah, five thousand of them made that trip as well. I mean, that was my main thought. Is you know, as a David Moyes sitting there, you know, he's basically peed off five thousand people, hasn't he? Because West Ham should know. Literally zero ambition to do anything in that game. We only scored a goal because of a bit of Jared Bowen brilliance. But I want to talk about Jurgen Klopp here because, of course, Liverpool won the game. That's the main talking point. But this leads us nicely on to sort of the weekend's football, which is you know essentially the main event of this podcast. But Liverpool against Arsenal at the weekend. Jurgen Klopp sort of a, a battle cry almost, or in some ways almost a, a bit of an attack. It was surprising to see him be so sort of forthright and to the point about the Liverpool atmosphere and of course we saw the weekend when they played Manchester United that Gary Neville made a point of saying how quiet the ground was and I don't know if that played into the thinking but it was very strange to see the Liverpool manager attack the atmosphere ahead of such a big game at the weekend He's done it before
1: though I can't remember what exactly what game it was but I can remember last year, last season there was an important game where um, Liverpool needed It might have been around this time as well but I thought it was a little bit late running the campaign Liverpool needed a that they were hosting who was it? I can't can't remember, but big game, Liverpool needed an atmosphere. And in the after the game before it, Klopp said basically the same thing, you know, give you a ticket to someone else if you're not going to make any noise. So it does seem strange, it does seem weird, but he's done it before. Um I can't remember whether or not it worked out well for Liverpool because I can't remember what game it was about. So that's that's shocking, but it was the idea, the intention was to to whip up the crowd into a frenzy. I think it might have been the Man United. I really, really think it might have been the Man United game. And they went and won that 7 0 because, you know, partly maybe because the atmosphere was so good in that game. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But he's, he knows what he's doing. He knows, you know, he's trying to whip it into a frenzy. It's different where, you know, we spoke a couple of weeks ago on Extra Time about uh, Newcastle's owners criticising the, uh, criticising the fan base after a, a, a 1-0 win over Chelsea saying that, you know, the atmosphere wasn't great. And now we flash forward to this, uh, these Klopp's, Klopp's comments on this, but it feels different. It isn't, you know, He's 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 been there so long. The Newcastle owners haven't been there long enough to kind of have enough money in the bank and credit in the bank to be able to say, you know, what they want and when they want and how they want and no one to be offended and upset. Klopp can say these comments and he knows, that it will whip Liverpool fans into a frenzy and will create the atmosphere that he wants on Saturday because we've seen it previously um, a couple of years ago, two two seasons back, uh, the the game where Arsenal went there and a Mikel Arteta poked there, had a go at Klopp and whipped the Anfield crowd up into a frenzy and Arsenal lost 4-0, I think he did, wasn't it? And, and up until that point, Arsenal really in the game. That was the kind of big turning point in that match. The so clock' trying to do that again. I think Klopp's trying to create an atmosphere um, and he's trying to kind of do what he can to to create said atmosphere um, ahead of Arsenal and create kind of almost like a bear pit for him to walk into. He knows what he's doing. I don't think there's any harm in the comments. I don't think there's any malice. He's just trying to trying his best to be able to get the crowd into you know the kind of mood that he wants from them ahead of what is a, a
0: massive, massive game this weekend. Do you think this is a? I hate to use this, but do you think it is? not necessarily a title decider, but the winner of this game, if you were looking at it in terms of percentages, say of who's going to win the league, does the winner of this game get maybe like a 10% boost in the likelihood as winning the league come the end of the season?
1: It's bonkers. I saw, you know, Liverpool drop points at home to Man United, and that's not a terrible result. And I saw all the stuff about it afterwards and I think it was Gary Nivell, you know, saying that Arsenal and Man City's only title contenders. Last time I looked at the table, there was a big gap between City and Liverpool in second and Liverpool are only one point behind Arsenal. Um, And they're playing each other this weekend, and there's every likelihood Liverpool could end, you know, uh, could be on top come Christmas Day, top of the tree on Christmas Day for sure. I mean, Aston Villa could be top of the tree on Christmas Day, and they're not even involved in this game. So whether or not we're going to get a title race or or a title-defining match, you know, there's a few teams that are definitely involved uh, in in the title hunt this year, namely Villa, who who are playing Friday night and. Could be top, could well be top going into, you know, ahead of that game or Man City, who are uh, halfway around the world playing in the Club World Cup as well. So, but in terms of Liverpool and Arsenal, it will give them a massive psychological boost. I think if, I think for Arsenal, if they avoid defeat, um, that will be huge for them. Any point that they can get from Anfield, if it's one or three, Arsenal will, will take a massive, massive plus and a positive from that into the title race because. That have already taken points off of Man City, that have taken points off of Liverpool. The only team in the title hunt that they hadn't taken points off is Aston Villa, um, which seems funny and bizarre, but it's it's where we are at this point. Um so yeah, you're right to say that it will give them, it won't define the title, it won't decide the title, of course. It won't, we're only in December, but it will give a big psychological boost. And especially when you think, you know, we've got so many games between now and the start of 2024. Um, coming up and and, you know we know that this is one of the busiest times in the Premier League because you're playing every 30 seconds and it's how that psychological boost will affect you as well going into those next games you know the players are going to be tired and a little bit lethargic in some matches but if they're happy and confident going well we've taken the lead and the advantage in the title race then that will give them an extra 10% there as well so is that you know you say 10% towards the title we're giving 10% in matches potentially it's a big game for both teams a crucial time in the season because it it can possibly decide whether or not they are going to have a good Christmas or a bad Christmas with so many games to come as well. And it's those games after that maybe will be just as important and as crucial as Saturday's game because everything can change. You look at the table on Christmas Day and it could look completely different come the 1st of January. It's just going to change so much and any big positive boost that any team can get at the start of, of of such a busy run, it's going to be great, great in the season. Yeah, she said. They're, you know, not going to decide the title, but it could have a big say in it. Come come May, we could be looking back at this. That this was that game where they really put down that marker and said, "We're here. We're for the title. Come and catch us if you can." What do you expect
0: to see from Arsenal? Because they generally do struggle at Anfield. It's always a game. Know, most teams struggle at Anfield. To be fair, I saw the stats about West Ham in the week, but Arsenal. You know they really don't enjoy this fixture, and even saw on that documentary a couple of years ago the all or nothing one. Miguel Arteta's attitude towards the game of playing music and training and whatnot. You know, would a draw be a good result Will Arsenal? Have looked at Manchester United's performance and sort of thought, right, we'll we'll try and mimic that maybe and try and play for the nil nil draw for straight the crowd. Or do you think Arsenal are maybe just too talented to to do that? They shouldn't just play for the draw, but it would be a good. Point for them because then it would put pressure
1: on Liverpool when they go to the Emirates to have to get the win because they have dropped points against Arsenal. Um, so they'd have to get sake out of the game at the Emirates and it puts the pressure back on that because if you're kind of looking at it and, and you're in a title race, you need to take the points off your nearest and dearest in the table to be able to, um, you know, put the real pressure on them and, and, and take them to that point. Um, so, yeah, for Arsenal, it wouldn't be a bad result getting a point there. But as you say, you know, they are a talented team. They're a really talented team. And I think that they'd look at it with disappointment if they were to come back with it with only a point. Um, they'd want to get all three from it for sure because, you know, it's it's a title rival. You know, they're, they're not, you know, I mean, they didn't even sit back against Aston Villa, did they? They gave it a good shot against Aston Villa. They shouldn't get the result. Um, and it would be a shame to see them sit back and just kind of, you know, what we have, we hold. There'll be, you know, you mentioned there about the game a couple of years ago where, uh, you know, Nicole like Arteta played all the uh, played all the music ahead of the game and tried to get them in the same. We all saw it on the documentary. You have to remember last year when they went there in that title run-in, they played really well for about three quarters of the game and then just blew it in the last, you know, they were so good and they have to try and find that performance level for the first, you know, how they played in the first bit of that game before they lost control a bit and Liverpool came back and they drew Arsenal really, really good in that game. They have to try and find that level of performance again. And, you know, the majority of that team is... is similar um you know the only place where you see a massive difference i think is in the engine room and in midfield and of course that's a big difference isn't it tech and rice and probably kai habits plays i don't know maybe would you play kai Havertz? he can get a bit wound up can be easily wound up uh by opposing players, players by the crowd as well and you know the, jürgen klopp's doing his level best to get it whipped into a frenzy ahead of the game by saying to the fans don't come if you're quiet give your ticket to someone else He's going to try and create an atmosphere. Would Would Kai Havertz work in that atmosphere? I don't know, but maybe he will. And he'll score two goals on Saturday and I'll be uh, made to meet my words. But yeah, for Arsenal, you know, on the face of it, a point would be great for them. But they're not going to want that. They're, that team is not going to just want a the point. Uh, they're going to go for it. It's going to be a great game for the neutral. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I hope so. Uh, certainly my Saturday evening plan. Um, with that, you know, this weekend, Aston Villa can go top of the Premier League uh, with a win against Sheffield United. But also on top of that, if Liverpool and Arsenal do draw and Aston Villa do beat Sheffield United as we sort of Probably expect them to do it means they'll be top on christmas day which i think is a, a big psychological boost um you know do you, do you think being top on christmas day just that in itself is enough to suggest that aston villa are genuine you know title contenders? i know people are saying they are title contenders; they're in this position but i think most people expect them to fall off But being top on christmas day you know that that's something that you know should be celebrated Mate,
1: we're not seriously still having this conversation about whether or not Aston Villa are in the title race, are we? I know we've had this a few times, especially on Extra Time as well, but definitely after their win against Arsenal the other week, I was saying on that show, uh, not not the last one, but the one before uh, with Harry Brent, that (laughs) we've had this conversation. I've I've been trying to tell you that Aston Villa are title contenders for weeks and no, 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 no. And now that they could even be top of Christmas, you're still trying to find a way to tell me that they're not title contenders. They are. They are in it. They are in it big time. And they could be like when Leicester won it a couple of years back, they have no pressure on them. And yeah, you're saying that if they fall away, if they fall away, great, you know, Richard for the stars you'll on the clouds, they'll probably still end up in the Champions League for sure. Um, Unai Emery is, you know, deserved to be top of the tree at Christmas because he is the star of the Premier League I think this year. Nice little niche, little pun and joke and play on work there. Um, but he's been superb. He, you know, what he's done and you have to remember they lost 5-1 at Newcastle on the opening day and I you know everyone said that it was the weirdest 5-1 you'd see it was the closest 5-1 you'd ever seen Newcastle was just really really clinical and there was one or two bad errors from Aston Villa that kind of you know let, allowed Newcastle to, to build up such a big win but aside from that they have been absolutely superb and even the win at the weekend the win against Brentford You know, we were saying the other week about Liverpool's win over Fulham and where they left it late, they scored twice later on and they came from behind and they won it. And you go, oh, mark the champions. Villa did exactly the same at Brentford. They scored twice later on, won the game, turned it around. Not a great performance, no, but you win and you take it and you move on. And that's what champions do and that's what title winning sides do. This Aston Villa team, the only issue that I've got for them is injuries and yes, they suffered a big one to Tyrone Mings at the start of the season for sure, but the the rest of that side, by and large, they've not been too affected by injuries and that that helps, that helps big time. You know, we saw it with Arsenal last year, they did really well up until the injuries started to impact them and affect them and they didn't have that depth and that's the same issue that Villa have here, that if injuries do start to mount up, you know, who replaces Ollie Watkins, John Durant looks all right in flashes. But if only Watkins is out missing for, you know, three, four, five games, you know, it doesn't have to be a long period on the sidelines, three, four or five, you know, six weeks, whatever. Not a massively long period. We see players out with longer injuries than that. You know, again, Tyrone Miggs is out for the season, you know, even with Aston Villa squad. But if he misses three games or four games or five games, who gets the goals for Aston Villa then? And it's the same, you know, perhaps maybe for John McGinnon. There's other players in that team as well that you kind of look at and they go... They suffer an injury to them, they are in big, big trouble. And we've seen it with Man City as well this year. You know, Kevin De Bruyne has been out of the sidelines. Look like he's very, very close to return. Obviously, training with them out of the Club World Cup in a minute. And once he comes back from injury, you'll expect them to be brilliant again. But they've had to struggle for this period without him and they've not been at their brilliant best. So that's the only concern I've had for Aston Villa. Can they avoid big injuries to big players at a wrong time in the season? Because we've seen it derail previous title challenges. But if they can avoid that, yeah, for me, they are are massively, massively in this. And it doesn't matter if they're top at Christmas or not. They are
0: going to be involved in this title race for a while yet, for sure. Do you think there's a chance that this kind of game, you know, playing Sheffield United at home with, it's a game that everyone expects Aston Villa to win? I think conversely, while we're saying they've got no pressure in the title race, this kind of game is pressure because you've done all this hard work. You've picked up such big wins. You're playing, you know, the... Arguably, well, they are the worst team in the league, I suppose, if you look at the league table. But you're looking again you're playing against one of the worst teams in the league at home. Therefore, the expectation is actually there that you should win. Do you think these are the kind of games that are dangerous for Aston Villa? If they are serious and they they could well
1: make me look like I've got egg on my face if they do lose Friday night. But if you are serious about being a title one, these are the games that they, you know, you don't you don't feel the pressure because you know you're gonna win. You know, it's it's a weird one. Like you You know, you could call it arrogant, you could call it cocky, but that's what you go into this game thinking, that you are going to win. So that idea of pressure doesn't come into it because, you know, yes, the expectation's there, but the expectation's there because you know you're gonna win. I know it sounds like a weird like mindset to be in, but there isn't pressure on them in this game because they know they're gonna win and they should win. And if they deliver the performances that they have, you know, they've 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 not gotten where they are because they're complacent, you know. That might be said from Man United, where they are in the table or Chelsea. You know, that, that might be a reason behind where they are currently. Aston Villa are where they are because they put the hard graft in, game in, game out, week in, week out. And if they do that against Sheffield United again, that should be enough to get them through the match. And yeah, there isn't... I know what you mean, you know, kind of They're in a new position now. And, uh, you know, saying it's new to these players, you know, not a lot of these players have won titles before or mm-hmm. been involved in title races. So yes, there is a little bit of, you know, it is a little bit different in terms of the mindset, you know, you kind of, you know, expectations and, and everything else do heightened And, you, you know, Bill fans will be expecting a big win and the big performance against Sheffield United on Friday night. But even if they get a 1-0 win, doesn't matter if they go on and win the title. Even if they finish in the top four, we're not going to sit back and go, do you remember when they scraped that 1-0 win against Sheffield United back in December? No one's going to talk about that then. They're going to talk about the win over Arsenal or the win over Manchester City instead. They'll remember those games. This one, you know, they will, I, you know, I do expect them to win. I don't think pressure will impact them. It doesn't matter how they win, you know. And that, again, it goes back to being in the title race, isn't it? I'm I'm talking about what you need to do in the title race and we're not even past Christmas, but it doesn't matter what you do, just get the win, that's it, move on, next game, take it again, and away you go, and that's what you have to do in a title race, and if, you know, Villa just have to be very business-like, very clinical, I think, in how they go about their work um, against Sheffield United, but Conor, I don't know if you saw it, um, but ahead of the game, um, and and this has slightly put me off Aston Villa as well, I thought they were the plucky underdogs and doing great in the title race and disrupting the Premier League, and now I've slightly gone off them, Um, they are planning to do what is known as the first uh, mobile phone light show ahead of a game on, uh, on the ahead of the match against Sheffield United getting all the fans to hold their mobile phones up as as one or two uh, fans of rival clubs suggesting maybe they're trying to save money for the uh, transfer window in January to splash out on a few players uh, but yeah that did slightly put me off them there when I saw something like that happening as uh, uh, as one of our colleagues at Mirror Football said uh, he hopes that, that take that style kind of entertainment never makes its way into his football ground for sure
0: yeah, it's a little bit cringy. I know Sheffield Wednesday are quite big on the the mobile phone waving. I've seen that a few times, but yeah, not for me. You know, leave it to the the roar and of the crowd, not the holding up of the iPhone. Um, two games as well after this for Villa, Man United away in Burnley at home next. So you know that rounds out their their year. It's not unfeasible, is it? That Aston Villa finish the year. We're talking about Christmas, but finish the year on top of the league because their two games seems crazy. They're going to Old Trafford, but they're two games that you look at and say winnable faster than 100%.
1: Yeah, and they had, you know, you kind of looked at maybe when we were talking and maybe, you know, other people have been talking about and they saw the two games that they had at the start of the month against Man City and against Arsenal and you kind of think, all right, okay, they'll lose those games and then they'll, you know, fall back to the pack or whatever and they won both of those games and then they're still there. And as you said there, you know, the four Man United are in. The issue is, we don't know what Man United's going to turn up. You know, even ahead of the game at Anfield at the weekend, I know they kind of sat back and they weren't great. But my dad was a Liverpool fan, and um, or is a Liverpool fan, I should say, he's still with us. I don't know why I spoke about him in the past tense there. Um, but he was, you know, we both had the same kind of feeling that you never know what Man United's going to turn up. And, you know, he was a little bit fearful that maybe the game wouldn't go the way Liverpool wanted. He thought Liverpool might lose because Man United might turn up. Anyway, long story short, that's the issue for Villa in, in this game. We don't know what Man United's going to turn up. They might turn up and they might play like they did against Chelsea and it'll be brilliant, or they could turn in the performance like they did against Bournemouth the other week and be awful. So that is Aston Villa's only concern perhaps going into that game. Again, like I said, if they approach it like business-like and clinical, like they should do in their games, they like anything, doesn't the title race, then they'll be trying. And, and the Burnley match as well. Um, you know, loads of people were all waxing lyrical about Vincent Kompany at the start of the season, going, oh, the great football he's playing at Burnley. He's done a fantastic job getting him up. And I was kind of always like, uh, yeah, but did you see his job at Anderlecht? Didn't really do well there, did he? And uh, that was that was what I was expecting from Burnley. I know a few people have been surprised that they are where they are. I'm not too shocked um, because, like I said, <laughs> his work at Anderlecht didn't exactly inspire confidence in me that he could uh, do wonders with Burnley in the Premier League. And, yeah, the fans be disappointed that they are where they are. Um, and all three teams as well that, are, that have been promoted. I mean, it's funny that we look at perhaps Luton as maybe the ones that's got the best chance of staying up at the three teams that came uh, came up last year um, because obviously Burnley ran away with the title Sheffield United ran away from second place in the end uh, ran away with second place sorry, in the end and Luton came up through the playoffs. Burnley will be very disappointed where they are where they are but Aston Villa issues that they're two winnable games after Christmas as well. There's every chance that they go to 2024 top of the table.
0: The top four battle, Ned, uh, you did talk a little bit there about Manchester United, but West Ham host Manchester United. That's a, a pretty tough game, isn't it? For Eric ten Hogside, you, you always look at them games as tricky ones, don't you, in, in the Premier League, West Ham away. Do you think a draw would Man United be happy with a draw in that one? Probably.
1: We're we'll happy with anything they get at this point, I think. You can't seriously though have gone top four battle and led into Man United. Um, but the funny thing is, is that they are actually. Then when you look at the table, you kind of go, "No, oh, yeah, they are. They've had an up and down season, and they're still just about the coattails of uh, of the top four race." Um, but if they're serious about the top four. They might be happy with a point to West Ham, as you say. There, you know, it's it's. More so when they went to Upton Park, it was a difficult hunting ground for them. I I was there on that famous night where uh, on on the final game at Upton Park, as well. I was in press box that night, and what that was, what a match as well uh, when they lost at that one. But you know, they they never really enjoyed the best times at Upton Park, and they don't really seem to enjoy the best times at London Stadium as well. Um, It's yeah, it's it's not a happy hunting ground (laughs) East London for Man United. Um, so they will be happy for Point but the thing is is that if they want to be really serious about the top four they have to be winning games like this and at some point they have to start winning games like this um, so for them yeah yeah. from the outside me and you look at it and we go Point's good result from there but they need they need that that win as well just to kind of Especially after the kind of criticism that Tenor got after the way that he set up at, at Liverpool, they need to kind of show some attacking intent at West Ham and, and show that they're there to 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 get it. The We're
0: there just to make sure they don't concede and, and come away for a point in the clean sheet. Yeah, thinking about that, there. If Man United do go and play that way in West Ham, for me, i probably one of the few teams in the Premier League that don't really like to. I say don't like to play football, but they're not exactly a free-flowing football team either. They like to hit teams on the counter attack, so. Yeah, that could be actually quite a a snore of a game come to think of it. It might not be as uh, exciting. Tell
1: me you're a Sunderland fan that still hates David Moyes without telling me you're a Sunderland fan who still hates David Moyes. They're complaining about the football of a European trophy winning manager. How dare you put some respect on his name? Um, but yeah, it's not going to be... Do you know what? We were talking there about the old games between them and how it used to be at Upton Park. It always used to be blood and thunder and always used to be a bit gnarly and nasty. Um I think we're going to get that this weekend, which would be a shame because you kind of won, you know, 12.30 off on a Saturday just before Christmas. Nice little, you know, nice little bit of aggravation between the two sides and a bit of a flare-up here and there. That would be good fun, wouldn't it? Nice little Christmas cracker there. It wouldn't be Christmas without a, a flare-up as well, would it? You know, kind of every family sees Christmas Day, so might as well make you part of the football match as well. But yeah, yeah. I'm more in hope than expectation that it'll be a good game. Um Hopefully. Hopefully it is a good game and run um, for everyone that, that will enjoy watching it in a real early Christmas cracker. But yeah, you can even hear it in my voice there, I the hope, rather than the expectation.
0: Spurs, your team, tricky test against Everton, isn't it? You know, I mean, I know it's it's at Spurs, but I saw Spurs drop points against Aston Villa at home the other week. And I know Aston Villa, we're talking about them as title contenders and Everton are at the other end of the lead tail. But Everton are in good form at the minute. This isn't a game... I think, you know, at the start of the season, when you looked at your fixed list, you probably thought, well, Everton at home, just on Christmas, that's a good fixture. But now, you know, it's a a different proposition, isn't it, playing Everton?
1: Well, again, on Digest uh, Extra Time, a few weeks back, we were talking about the, uh, after Everton lost at Man United, and we were expecting a reaction there, weren't we? It was the first game at home after the points deduction came through, and we didn't see it in that game. You kind of then thinking, oh, are Everton Going to drag themselves out. It has this had an adverse effect on them. This this points deduction. Ever since that game, they have been superb. They are the full side in the Premier League. Four straight wins, isn't it? Before the uh, Carabao Cup exit, and we, wasn't it? Four straight wins in the Premier League. Uh, forgetting about the points deduction, you know. Again, on on that, you know. And this is only a few weeks back. You know, probably about three weeks ago, we were talking about it. Maybe like go three, four weeks back, and we're sat there going, "Oh, could be a long season for Everton." I think they've pulled themselves well clear of that that relegation dogfight already. They've made that 10-point deduction looks stupid if they didn't have that 10-point deduction um, and they'd be we'd be talking about them being a a, a top four contender I'd say you know in in terms of when you had that 10 points on there they'd they'd be one in the mix of that for sure great job Sean Dyche is doing as you say there Um, you know it is a tough test it is um, you know home or away Everton don't seem to matter too much they'll be disappointed as well uh, with how it went in the week against Fulham in the cup they'll be looking to put that right in the league for sure Um, But Spurs, the good thing is, is that we seem to have remembered what it takes to win a football match as well. I I moved in, you'll see behind me the lovely surrounds that don't look like they did at the start of the season. I've moved into a new home at the start of November. Six games, six games in the new home we went without winning. I thought this place was cursed. I was talking to my wife about putting it back on the market, moving out because, you know, I would never see Tottenham Hotspur win again. Uh, but thankfully, we broke the curse eventually. Now we know what it's like to win a football match. Uh, we weren't great in, in, against Nottingham Forest last week. Uh, it wasn't the best performance. Um, but again, one. That's it. Move on. That's it. We won't remember what the performance was like in the history books, but we'll remember that we won 2-0 um, and move on. No Eves for Suma. Um, the, the bloke decided that not only Christmas that he went off, but he wanted the entire of January off as well to, um, you know, felt like he kind of wanted those European breaks as well. Um, so we won't be seeing him for a fair while. Uh, but someone who's kind of stepped up in recent weeks and I expect him to keep his place in the side and maybe play that pursuing role is Keremil Kjojberg. He's been a, a real, you know, he's, he's fought hard to to kind of restart his top career because he didn't look fancied or favoured at the start of Andrew Bostock of reign. Um, but since that Chelsea game onwards in the way that he came on there and he kind of showed real kind of battling desire. I know Spurs lost 4-1 in the end uh, in that match but Hure Berg in that game showed the kind of real strong leadership, strong character that he still has, and, and he kind of showed that he still wants to fight for his Tottenham career and and he's been uh been been great for him and I expect him to kind of slot into that pursuit role this weekend without him. Um and yeah, maybe maybe this one might be more exciting because it's two teams, you know, Andrew Ball plays really well. Sean Deitch, you know, has a way that's that's winning football matches at the minute. So it could be a really entertaining game, perhaps maybe more so than uh West
0: Ham versus Man United at this rate. Luton, uh, they host Newcastle, so obviously there's permutations at both ends of the table. Newcastle, obviously, threw it away in midweek. Although I suppose Chelsea kind of threw it at them with the goal that Newcastle scored, and then Newcastle, were like, no, we'll give you it back. We'll we'll go to penalty shootout. Uh, Kieran Trippier, you know, with a it was uncharacteristic error, but, I mean, that's his third one in his last two appearances, I think, because he made two against Everton that were pretty bad. But this one... To me, um, even though I'm a Sunderland fan, I think I'm normally quite kind to of Newcastle on this podcast, and only bat them to do quite well. But this, to me, feels like a real potential banana skin. Newcastle playing so many games, look so tired. Whenever you watch them, I just feel like Luton's energy and and physicality will be a real test for Newcastle. And I think if Newcastle were to win this game, that'd be a pretty good indicator for them for the rest of the season that maybe they will. You know, try and push and get into that top four because at the minute they, they just don't look the same as they did last season
1: for Luton as well. What makes it what might make it a little bit tougher for Newcastle is that they have something kills that they're playing for, it's bigger than football. Um, you know, obviously, everyone associated with the podcast um says their best wishes to Tom Lockyer and his family after what happened last weekend. Great to you know, it, it's positive news that we've had at least. Um, that is, you know, obviously, the fact that he's still with us is, is a massive positive in itself. You know, we've seen. Seen it before, you know Antonio Quintero, Phil O'Donnell. Um, where unfortunately it has gone the other way on, on football pitches. So, you know, obviously, like I said, there, everyone on the podcast sends their best wishes uh, to Tom Lockyer and his family. Um, but that's that's something that will drive Luton on, I think, as well this weekend. Um, and again, you know, a similar situation is Christian Eriksen with that Danish side in, in Euro twenty twenty. Um, you know, they 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 did go on to lose the, the game where he had the heart attack against Finland, but the rest of that run they were playing they had something a little bit more to play for that, that was bigger than football and when you have that and when you play for that you know it's it's a massive massive motivator um, and I think I, I will expect Luton to have that motivation and want to go out there because it's it's, it's not just any old player as well it's their captain it's their leader that, that this is for so I fully expect them to deliver a performance that will put a smile on, on Tom Lucky's face this weekend um, and for Newcastle they are probably just waiting for January, aren't they? You know, they are just doing everything to get by taking off game by game, game just until they get to January and get some new faces in, because you know we talked uh, we talked earlier about injuries and injuries in the title race affecting and impacting. I mean, you know, we joked earlier in the season as well about Spurs when we were without players. I think it was the game after the Chelsea one where we lost Van der Beeren and Madison to injury. Ndogi and Romero were out to the suspensions. There was a few others on the sidelines as well. Perisic as well with his ACL and joking about fans bringing their boots to the game as well because they might get a match at Wolves such that the squad was decimated. And it's the same for Newcastle as well at this point. You know, the injuries have just impacted them so much that it's not even a case of, you know, can you change his eleven? Do you want to change his title eleven? You didn't play well last week, but I can't sub you out because i no one to bring you in. And then even in the match as well, when you want to change the match, there's no one to bring off the bench to change it for. So they're just... As I said, they're ticking down the days, ticking down the matches until it gets to January and they can start getting some uh, some new faces in. And if they pick up a point, great. That's a positive that's a positive point. Um, but you do feel sorry for them because, you know, the injuries really, really have taken their toll on Newcastle this year. Um, and they've probably hampered their chances. You know, they're already out of the Champions League, already out of Europe this year as well. That's, that's a big blow for them. Would they have stayed in if they had the players? Possibly. Um, but for sure, Newcastle are just, you know, just... They just wait for that transfer window to and to, to kind of you know stop their squad back up again.
0: Yeah, I don't feel bad for them. You might feel bad for them a I, I definitely don't. Uh, we'll finish off the podcast just talking a little bit about Man City at the Club World Cup. It's a bit of an afterthought, which is kind of the the question that I was on asking Ed. You know. Does it matter? Because I have seen very little excitement around this tournament. It feels like an afterthought. The only thing I've really heard about it is the fact that Man City aren't playing this weekend. You know, that seems to be the biggest (laughs) talking point from it. Or am I just missing something? You know, have I not been reading in the correct places or, you know, is it a bit of a, I don't know, almost like a pre-season competition mid-season?
1: It's not helped by FIFA being a bit strange as well with, And we know this around tournaments, and especially you know me and you working video quite closely. um, And FIFA quite restrictive on what they allow to be used in press conferences around it, so that's never going to help in the first place because you know um, the the awareness of it and and the kind of you know the talking around it and and the clips being shared on social media are quite slow. And it's not a big you know, it's not a. I think it was better when it was just this uh, you know one match between. the, the the best in Europe, the winners of the European Cup or the Champions League or whatever it was, whatever year they won it. Uh, and the winners of the uh, uh of the Copa Libertadores as well. Um, you know, it was a better tournament then because it was just one game, straight knock out, whoever wins wins. And it kind of seemed a bit more exciting. It was like, ooh, us versus them. And now we have kind of expanded it. And yes, it's great that you get, you know, the champions from Africa get shots and Asia and and uh North America as well sorry in Oceania um, you know great for, for those ones to, to kind of test themselves against Man City you know when are you know you know when are where are, are Diamonds ever going to play Man City again uh, you know and, and likewise for you know for the fans of, of so they'll get a chance to see Man City they would have had that anyway when under the old guys of the competition um, for City it's, you know two games maybe they could probably do without in the campaign um, I mean the funny thing is is that you know last year when they won the treble um you know phenomenal achievement and they were knocked out of the carabao cup uh, by Southampton in the quarterfinals, wasn't it? And you're kind of thinking, oh, that was that was the only spoiler that, that that ruined it for them. Maybe they can win the quadruple this year, but they wouldn't have been able to win the quadruple because if they progressed that far in the Carabao Cup this year, they would have had to do what Liverpool done a couple of years back. They would have been playing midweek this week and they would have had to play the kids. Mad City's kids might have done a decent job and they might have got a fortunate draw against Port Vale. I don't know if they progressed and it stays in the competition for sure. But it, yeah, I mean the, that in itself—the fact that those games are scheduled when the Carabao Cup's on—and we're talking more about the Carabao Cup than a World Cup. Tells you everything you need to know about a competition, as you said there, an afterthought. Um, but this is the last one in the current guys. They're going to expand it to thirty-two from from twenty twenty-five. So like the first tournament in the USA, um, and that's just another needless competition, right? It, the placing of it as well is what I don't get. And yes, I understand. That the issue has always been that the Champions League ends in May, a Copa Libertadores, I think only ended last month, didn't it? But Fluminense won the uh, won the title there. So yes, there is always that issue that it doesn't align perfectly. Um, you know, but can't we just play this in can't it just be a tournament that's played in the summer again, like a preseason tournament? It's gonna to be played in the summer from from twenty twenty five anyway. But you just kind of the scheduling's wrong, uh the team's in it, you know, not many in, not many casual fans are gonna have heard of some of the teams in it or be aware of the of the teams in it. Um so then they're not gonna be paying attention to it. It's misguided, um, the expansion is misguided and we just need to drill it back, you know. I know we've seen it in times. I know Monterey got to the final a couple of years back, at uh, T P Mazemba as well, I think when England's been won the Champions League, actually. I think the they got to the um got to the final played in Smithland in the final. And yes, there are occasional times where it isn't Europe versus uh Europe versus South America, but by and large, it has always been Europe versus South America. So why not just drill it back to what it was in its origins? Um and I'm actually quite surprised that UEFA and uh having set up finally having set up an, an office in London as well, a co-working office in London on the relationship they've got on I'm really surprised that they haven't taken that step yet pulled out of the Club World Cup we've gone we'll just have our two boys go it like we did in old days
0: yeah I, I, the, the expansion to the 32 teams to me just seems outrageous especially when you've got so many of the players and managers saying that they're playing too much to then add another World Cup style tournament into the calendar just seems bonkers
1: I was looking at the, the, the Africa Cup Nations is scheduled to be on at the same time as well in 2025 it's going to be held in uh they wanted uh CAF wanted the, the African Cup Nations in twenty twenty five to be in the summer so that it doesn't. So it was like when they held it in Algeria in twenty nineteen. Was it Algeria twenty nineteen? Was it Egypt? Um no, it was in Egypt, sorry, twenty nineteen, which Algeria won, that they wanted it to not disrupt the European calendar as much as they wanted it in the summer so they moved to the summer of 2025 only to be met with the fact that the Club World Cup is going to be on at the exact same time and again the issue there is, is that it's not so much oh it's only six teams only one team will be affected maybe they won't have so many players there but actually it's it's going to be expanding. I think they've got four teams. I think four African teams that will be, and it's not just the winners as well. similar to, to Europe as well, if there's multiple, uh, if if there's one team that wins it multiple times, then they'll be stocked up with the best, uh, the team, the teams are the best coefficient in CAF as well. Um, so there's there's that issue as well. That, uh, you know, not having the conversations between the uh, confederations as to when you're holding tournaments and when we're holding tournaments. Um, it's just bonkers. It's it's it, and that as well. That is the end 2025, like when you when you roll through it, that's normally like, you know, players are played every every year as well. We she say you know, the calendar is just adding more into it. Players probably look forward to that year going, brilliant, year off, done it's too do much, and you know, like can relax recharge each other's body ahead of a big World Cup year as well. And that expanded World Cup in America in 2026 as well, isn't it? But yeah, no, we're gonna have more games of club football um that we don't really need. Uh, at the end of the long season, which is already packed. So I'm sure players are, are already bossing and looking forward to that at their end. Yeah, I mean, I love football as much as
0: the next guy. You know, I absolutely love football, but I have got pretty much zero interest in what Manchester City are doing right now, wherever was in Saudi Arabia, isn't it, at the minute? Zero interest in that and zero interest in the Club World Cup, um, which is going to be expanding in 2025. And I think most football fans feel the same. And I kind of hope in some ways that the European teams just put out the kids diminish the competition cost free for a lot of money Then we move on and don't have to do it again anyway ned we are all out of time today Uh thanks everybody for listening and yeah but we'll see you again i don't know when we'll see you again actually with all the christmas schedule but we'll see you again certainly in the new year